0: What's up guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Listen To Me Speak podcast. We are on season 2 episode 43 and this is actually the last episode before the season 2 finale so thank you guys so much for sticking with this podcast for two seasons. For those of you who listen to the episodes, you share it on your social media, you share it with your friends. I appreciate the love and I want to do a quick shout out to my boy Arturo who supports my podcast nearly every week. He listens to all the episodes and we hung out not that long ago and he was really telling me about how happy he was for me that I was doing something that I really loved and how much he really enjoyed this podcast and it really, really meant a lot to me so shout out to him I appreciate it and I appreciate all of my friends that have really been super supportive you know it's crazy sometimes when you when you do something like a podcast or you start up your own company or you start up your own brand you'd actually be surprised by the amount of people you thought would support you that don't support you and it's more common to have strangers support you more than people who actually know you so to those people who I know in real life who are friends family that really do support the podcast it really means a lot to me for the finale I'm going to be doing what I did in season one which is what I'm going to call the 2021 wrap-up where I discuss all of my favorite albums my favorite songs of the year, my favorite movies of the year, all of that. So that episode might come out a little bit later than normal because there's a lot of albums I have to revisit. You know, in the times that we live in with music, new albums, new songs drop every day. And you know, unless it's an album that really touches my soul or really sticks out to me, it sometimes it becomes hard to revisit albums I enjoy because there's so many albums coming out each week. So I'm going to be spending, literally after I record this episode, I'm going to be digging back into um, all of the albums that came out this year and kind of, you know, revisit certain um, songs that I may have missed, songs I may have overlooked, you know, now it's we're coming towards the end of the year, so obviously some of my opinions have changed. So I can't wait to get that episode out to you guys, but without wasting any more time, let's get into this episode right now. So I'm going to start off with my review of Khalid's new EP, tape, whatever you want to call it, which is called Scenic Drive. Now Scenic Drive is the definition of R&Vibes, you know, that new term that has been coined in music where it's not really R&B, it's more of a vibe. That's exactly what this tape is. It's a laid back project with lush production and calming vocals. It's perfect for driving around in your car, which I'm sure was the intention, or even for just chilling at home. I enjoyed Scenic Drive, however the main problem I always have with Khalid's full-length albums and projects is that his production always sounds the same for the most part. It's like one long-running song, it's the same trap drum patterns and guitar chords, and it does get old after a while. The music is still good, it's just typical and predictable. The only song that stands out production-wise is Scenic Drive, the song. It's the last song on the project. Despite this, Scenic Drive is the most I've ever enjoyed a Khalid project ever. As a whole, the theme of this project seems to be about Khalid starting up a new relationship and enjoying the early honeymoon phase you experience when getting to know someone. And for some reason it feels like it's... it's kind of like a trying to come out of the pandemic relationship, if that makes sense. Like, we've all been stuck in the house for so long and now we're itching to get out and on this project Khalid gives me those vibes like he was really stuck in the house now he met somebody new now things are starting to open up again and so he's dating again he's like going on dates mostly in his car because you know that's what this project really is kind of like hanging out and talking with someone in the car so for some reason that's the kind of uh, vibe I was getting from him on this project. Despite feeling like Khalid has been stuck in a rut production-wise, I am still a sucker for the guitar, and the guitars in his production are often the highlights of his songs. He has a lot of today's R&B heavy hitters on this tape, from Lucky Day to Ari Lennox and Kiana Day, and they all contributed greatly to this project. They gave what I expected of them and brought out the best of Khalid. This is his most R&B focused project so it makes sense for him to want to work with them and they help bring some authenticity to Scenic Drive. My top tracks are Present which I've already um, reviewed so I won't go over what I've already said about that record but it's definitely a highlight off of this project. Retrograde, Brand New, Voicemail, and of course Scenic Drive. So I'm going to start off with Retrograde which features Black and Lucky Day. As I've said, Khalid loves implementing guitars and guitar chords in a lot of his production, and the guitar on this track leads the song. It's tender and beautiful, and I'm glad more guitars are being added to R&B music because it really does help elevate any track. You can go as far back as music Soul Child and also Craig David. They had a lot of guitar in their production, and it really that's what really made it their music so great. Guitars to me are very passionate, they're very tender and that's what R&B is all about so when you add it to R&B music it, it, it amplifies that feeling even more. I also love Khalid's background vocals and his voice melts well with blacks and lucky days. My favorite lines from Retrograde are quote, I'll take some time, sit in my retrograde, I'm getting high so I don't feel no pain. Now the retrograde is something I've always heard I, I want to say since astrology has become more popular everybody you know talk Venus is in retrograde and blah 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 and I was always like what the fuck are they talking about what does that even mean so when I was listening to this song I was like I was kind of like based off of the context of this song and like from what I've heard other people talk about I got the gist kind of eventually of what it meant but I had to look it up just so I could explain it to some of you who may not know what that means either and pretty much whenever a planet is in retrograde whatever that planet kind of stands for in astrology is what you have to I guess reflect so let me actually start back because I'm confusing even myself that it makes sense so pretty much the retrograde is when it's like a period in time of reflection and reassessment for people and so I guess each planet um I guess controls different emotions and feelings so when that planet is in retrograde sometimes it brings on really negative feelings sometimes it's a positive feeling so pretty much in this track it's more negative where Khalid is pretty much saying like in my favorite line that I mentioned that you know he's just going to sit in his retrograde he's going to get high so he doesn't feel pain because self-reflection can be a bitch it can be very painful experience sometimes it's very hard to do to, to admit your own shortcomings or your own flaws and so that's pretty much what the gist of the song is about and those lines really stuck out to me just because it's really relatable to I think a lot of people. The next song I wanted to get into is Brand New which features Quinn. I love the chemistry between Khalid and Quinn on this track I don't know much about her but she's got a really lovely voice. They sound good together and the lyrics are conversational and if there's one thing I love, I love conversational lyrics because it just makes me, it makes the song more personal, it feels more real. The only thing that would have made this song better is if it was a proper duet rather than Quinn just singing in the pre-chorus and the chorus. The song is simple but the melody is addicting and that's what makes the song. The next track I'm going to get into is Voicemail which features Kiana Day. and now you all know by now if you've been listening to this podcast from day one you know Kiana Leday is my favorite I go up for her. For some reason this song gives me a Leah vibes. The song has a slight rhythm to it that if Timbaland splashed some of his magic on it it would drive this home. Kiana flows over any kind of production and voicemail is no different. She's also a really strong writer and I always end up being drawn to her verses. Khalid and Kiana sound angelic together too and I'd love to hear more songs from them. My favorite lines from voicemail are quote, I'll give you your space if you need it, say it to my face if you mean it, you make me so mad, why you gotta do me like that, don't leave me waiting for no reason. The last song I wanted to get into is the last track on Scenic Drive which is the title track and it features Ari Lennox and Smino. Other than Retrograde, this track is the standout on this tape. The production is a callback to early 2000s R&B I want to say, and the melody sounds like an interpolation of an older song that's on the tip of my tongue every time I hear it but I can't quite grasp it, one of these days it's going to hit me. Either way, the production is great and Ari Lennox bodied it per usual. It's a good mix of neo-soul and new age R&B music. I also love Khalid's higher tone on this song, it pairs well with Ari and even though he's got a really good lower register, I really do love every now and then when he um, gets in his higher tone bag or or, or whatever you want to call it because he's he does have a beautiful voice. Scenic Drive by Khalid is proof that he should consider transitioning into R&B full time because it fits for him. Songs like Scenic Drive and Retrograde showcase his potential for growth but he desperately needs to try new things. Scenic Drive is a good start though and a step in the right direction. It's a solid body of work. So that wraps up my thoughts of Khalid's new tape. Now I'm going to get into some of the new singles that were released because there were quite a few of them in I think this was the first Friday in a while that I was actually satisfied with the new music releases as a whole. Like there were good albums like Adele's album, Summer Walker's, Silk Sonic, but the actual like singles on the new music Friday playlist were kind of lacking, but this past Friday was really, really good. So I'm gonna start off with Sinister by Corday, featuring Lil Wayne, of course. What I love the most about this track is Hip Boy's production, of course. If you don't know by now, Hip Boy is my favorite current producer everything he touches seems to be magic. This song or this production is a callback to the G-Funk era and while it sounds distinctly 90s you know what I'm gonna say it still sounds fresh and modern which is hip boy strength. Corday and Wayne each kill their verses their bars are sharp as hell and they both rode the fuck out of this beat. It's a short song but it gets the job done. From this song alone and I think Super that was what the other song was called From a Bird's Eye View is going to be a dope-ass album. I also tweeted Corday that I'm expecting this album by January. He retweeted it and liked it so I'm gonna assume that maybe January is when he's thinking about releasing this album finally. He did also tweet that this week he would be um, announcing some news and I'm pretty sure that it's two things. One, the album release date, maybe the cover as well, and the announcement of a tour. Because a lot of people are announcing their tours and I know we have this new variant that's running rampant and I swear to God if it forces us to pause life again and I don't get outside and I don't get to a concert, I think I'm going to scream. So hopefully um, we get our shit together and we can start enjoying these tours because I can't take another tour delay. I want to go out and see my favorite artist. I want to see Beyonce live again. I want to see Lucky Day live again because he announced a tour. I'd love to see Cordae. I'd love to see all these different artists. So hopefully... We can get it together and tour can really, really start for real. Moving on from Cordae, Mary J. Blige dropped a two-pack. Amazing with DJ Khaled and also Good Morning Gorgeous with just just her alone. I didn't care for Amazing if I'm totally honest. It sounded more like a Khaled track and didn't really suit Mary at all. It's an Afrobeat record and Mary is doing a weird sing-rap flow. And while she is you know, the godmother of the hip hop soul genre, this flow didn't fit with this song. I think it's because it's an Afrobeat type of um production and that's why it wasn't really working for me. It could have been kept. And honestly, anything that um DJ Khaled has attached himself to musically lately really hasn't been all that great. However, I absolutely love Good Morning Gorgeous. It's a better fit for her. It's co-written by her and also produced by her and Demile, and when I think of the current writers and producers and artists that Mary should be working with, these are the people that come to mind. Her has a similar vibe to Mary and can help her craft music that works with today's R&B audience while still staying true to herself. It has a beautiful message and it's similar in themes to Mary's earlier music, specifically My Life. The production is tender and soulful and hers guitar solo towards the bridge and the end is beautiful. Mary sounds great too. You know her voice really just tells you if you didn't even already know but her voice just tells you that this is a woman who has been through a lot and now she's on the other side of it and she's thriving and she picked herself back up again and she's just ready to enjoy her life and Good Morning Gorgeous is definitely the type of single that Mary should have gone with so even though this was a two-pack and I wasn't feeling amazing Good Morning Gorgeous was definitely a solid choice. Mary also announced that her new album is dropping in February. And if Good Morning Gorgeous is the lane that she stays in, it's going to be a good body of work and I'm super excited for this new Mary album. I think we're seeing the renaissance for a lot of um, OG artists kind of coming back and putting out really great bodies of work from Nas to now Mary. I think that this is just a good time for artists that in the I don't want to say past their prime because both Nas and Mary are still are still good at what they do but past their peak in popularity that you know they're able to kind of come back and still fit in in today's music you know there's a way to it may take you a long time and a lot of artists may struggle kind of trying to come back and fit in with you know the new audience and there's a fear that oh you know they may not be checking for me which is not true if a song is good these days you know It doesn't matter what age the current audience is. If the song is good, the song is good. I've seen a lot of old songs come back and turn into hits again on TikTok. So I think you just kind of have to master the art of, okay, this is what today's music sounds like. I can give a little bit of that, but still sound like me. And that's what Good Morning Gorgeous does. Moving on from Mary, Juice World and Justin Bieber released the collab, which is so weird to say because Juice World is no longer here. It's kind of like this weird... I have this weird kind of thing with, you know, artists who are, who have passed releasing music because sometimes the estate just comes off as greedy and I kind of feel that way about, you know, Pop Smoke and Juice World. so it's it's kind of weird. But anyway, they, his estate released a collaboration with Justin Bieber called Wandered to LA and I'm not going to lie, when this was first announced, I thought it was an odd choice. I don't think many people felt like it was going to be a good fit, myself included, It was originally supposed to have Post Malone instead allegedly which makes sense you know when you listen to the production it sounds like something Post Malone would get on. Post Malone also makes more sense on paper. However this collaboration sounded better than I thought it would. I wasn't a huge Juice World fan but what always stuck out to me when I listened to his songs is his voice. I love his tone. Justin matched his tone on this track and that's why the collab actually sounded good they fit together well. Plus I love Justin when he's in his feelings and the song gave me that. The track is produced by I want to say it's pronounced is it Louis Bell or Louis Bell either way you know who I'm talking about he's the producer that works with Post Malone and that's why I think it makes sense that Post Malone was originally supposed to be on this track And it's also produced by Harv, which also makes sense as to how Justin Bieber ended up on the song because I think Harv is Justin Bieber's music director and he produced Peaches and he produced a lot of his music. I also just love the production. The trap drums make the song sound upbeat, but the guitar um, and what sounds like synths give the song real feeling. My favorite lines are, quote, I wandered to LA, hoping to explore. Little did I know I'd find a little more. Love at my hotel room door from the bed to the hotel room floor. Up next on my list is Lucky Day. He released his second single on Monday called Candy Drip. I haven't had a lot of time to sit with it because it just came out, but I like the sound and vibe of it. It certainly fits Lucky's 70s and 80s suave aesthetic. DeMile produced it, of course, and he always knows what beats to make for him. Candy Drip sounds like a continuation of where Lucky left off of on Painted, He also announced his new album, also named Candy Drip, is going to be dropping in early 2022. My guess is February. Now, I've been waiting for this announcement for a while. I think I've really been waiting for it ever since he dropped Over, which is technically, I guess, the lead single from Candy Drip. And Over is, I already reviewed the song, but it's incredible. And, you know, as you guys know, I wasn't a huge fan of his EP that he dropped I want to say it was early this year. I want to say it was February of this year. It feels like so long ago. I wasn't crazy about it. It just, it wasn't a project that held me or captivated me for long. It was kind of forgettable. I think I really only listened to one song off of the project. Um, so Over and also Candy Drip sounds more like Lucky it, it It sounds more of like what we expect from him. So I think the second album is going to be more in the right direction than that EP was. I think it was called A Table for Two. SZA also finally, finally she released What We've All Been Waiting For which is a song that has actually gained new life on TikTok. It's called I Hate You." She had apparently released it on SoundCloud because she had done a SoundCloud drop and by the time I went to listen to the SoundCloud drops they were taken off for whatever reason. So I was pissed that I missed it because a lot of people really loved those songs that she released. I want to say she released three of them and I Hate You was one of them and it found its way onto TikTok much like, um, Shirt did and I think, I don't know if Good, I think Good Days as well. So SZA has had probably the more, um, what's the word for she's had the most I guess genuine luck with TikTok it's not her forcing hits on there and trying to make up dances to catch on it's just fans leaking her music on TikTok and really just loving the hell out of them and you know I'm so excited that she put out I Hate You," but we did not forget about Shirt SZA we really didn't but I'll take what I can get for now SZA can honestly release a tape full of her unreleased and leaked songs and it would be a hit. Honestly, if she did that before dropping her album, I would be okay with it. She's just good at making music, period. I think that's just what it is. What makes I Hate You So Appealing is that we all have that one person we can dedicate it to. It's relatable and one of SZA's strong suits is her writing. Her music is always personal, so I think it appeals to us emotionally. I think that's why a lot of us are attached to control because it is a timestamp of a significant period of in all of our lives and when we go back to that album we we remember what was going on in our life at that time she dropped that when I was in college so of course I I remember that and so I just think that's what makes his a appealing period we just there's this attachment to her music I can't explain it and I think also because it's kind of emotional it appeals to us emotionally and that's one that's one way you can never go wrong in music once you once you captivate your audience's emotions you you've got them. I've had this song on repeat since it dropped and I'm so glad it's a leaked record that met my expectations because there are plenty of songs we hear snippets of that leak that we love and then the artists officially put them out and they just they're not as good. My favorite lines from I Hate You" are quote and if you wondered if I hate you I do. Shitty of you to make me feel just like this, what I would do to make you feel just like this, and if you wondered if I hate you, fuck you, shitty of you to make me feel just like this." The next song on my long list of new releases is Just Look Up by Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi from the soundtrack of I think it's Don't Look Up, the movie. This song is obviously meant to be a joke type of song because of the lyrics with Ariana poking fun at people for not taking qualified scientists seriously when they say the world is ending with lines like quote turn off the shitbox news and also quote get your head out of your ass listen to the goddamn qualified scientist. we really fucked it up and does that sound familiar anyone? I'm pretty sure the script writer of this movie um pulled their inspiration from what's going on with COVID in this pandemic and obviously this song will make more sense once I actually watch the movie I'm sure. Overall the song itself is okay Ariana sounds great obviously I mean I've never heard her not sound great. I'm not the biggest fan of Cuddy, and I don't think they exactly work together musically but they play love interests in the movie so I get why the song was made. The song itself is cute at best. The last song on my list is It'll Be Okay by Shawn Mendes. Now honestly when Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello broke up we all saw what was coming next which is breakup songs and albums from them both. Sean wasted no time and within days after the news of the breakup hit the internet, he released It'll Be Okay. Which, by the way, isn't convincing me or anyone really that the relationship wasn't a PR stunt, but whatever. Anyway, despite any of the BS, It'll Be Okay is actually a damn good song and I hated to admit it because I saw right through it, but it's actually really, really good, guys. It's everything you expect out of a breakup song. It's sad, slow, and tender with beautifully written lyrics. However, the production is what really makes this record it's to die for. Though it starts off slow, it gradually builds up and becomes grand, which adds to the drama of the song. Sean's vocals sound strong, and this song alone is better than all of Wonder. Seriously, there are so many beautiful vocal moments from him on this song, I love the way he stacked his vocals, the way he blended his background vocals with his main vocal, like it's really, really a beautiful record. I will give him this too. This track sounds more believable than his past breakup songs, which he admitted that when he was writing them, like Stitches, I love that record, but he admitted that he had never had his heart broken, so he was kind of just writing off of what he thought a heartbreak would sound like, but you know, on... On this song you can tell something broke his heart now despite the fact that I don't believe him and Camila were actually really together they were good friends so maybe something went went wrong there and that's really what what the heartbreak is stemmed for or we could all be wrong and they could have actually really been together which I doubt but hey it's always a possibility but he's more believable his conviction is more believable on it'll be okay. Hopefully his next album follows um it'll be okay's lead. And we can all collectively forget that Wonder exists because that was such a bad album. I'm not even exaggerating. I don't think outside of his like die hard stands. I don't think many people cared for that album. It came and went, and it also didn't help that it came at the end of the year last year. So that made it even more forgettable at this point. Now, my favorite lines from the track are quote If you tell me you're leaving. I'll make it easy. It'll be okay. If we can't stop the bleeding, we don't have to fix it. We don't have to stay. I will love you either way. And I think these lines really stuck out to me just because it's kind of like a different take on a breakup. It's kind of more amicable of, you know, I realize it's not working. You know it's not working. We're gonna we're we're gonna try and attempt to heal and fix ourselves and fix the relationship because we love each other but if we can't that's okay too and we're just gonna go our separate ways that's fine and I think we're so used to hearing like bitterness and spitefulness in breakup records it's kind of a breath of fresh air to kind of hear a take of you know it's not working and I and I'm still gonna love you whether it works or not and I love you enough to let you go because the relationship isn't making you happy and it's not really making me happy either so that wraps up Um, the new releases like I said um, last Friday's new music release when it came to singles was a lot stronger. I definitely think for this year 2021 was more inconsistent with um, the music releases than last year was. I think you know I called it I think the pandemic I wasn't I didn't coin the phrase but we called them pandemic albums and it forced a lot of artists to kind of try new things and be more experimental and it worked for a lot of people. This year it's been more inconsistent where you know we went a few months and we had some good releases and then we had some really slow dry periods and then albums we didn't really care for and then now we're kind of back in a period where the albums are good like we had Silk Sonic and a lot of people love Taylor Swift and her re-release of Red and we had Adele's 30 album and Summer Walker's um still over an album so we had a good run in November of good good albums I think December will probably be more of a dry period I do still think that someone will release a surprise album before the end of the year I've just been seeing too many rumors so I do think we have that to look forward to but overall I think December will be a little bit more dry than November just because November is usually like artists shooting their last like clip of music before the end of the year but this past Friday was really really good for new music So Timbaland is apparently releasing a joint or teasing I I didn't mean to say releasing he's teasing the possibility of a joint album with Missy which I feel like is long overdue you know when you think you can't think of Missy or Timbaland without each other they're just so they're part of the same fabric you can't have Missy without Timbaland and vice versa so I really do think this is long overdue I know today it's more common for people to do joint albums it was a little bit harder for artists to do so just because labels gave them a a bigger issue there are a lot of label politics involved so I think that played a a big part in why this album didn't come out way earlier than it should have But I would be really interested in hearing Timbaland and Missy. I know Missy recently put out an EP, I want to say in 2019, but as far as albums go, she hasn't put out an album since I think the early 2000s and I think Timbaland who's still kind of active in music, he's still producing with newer artists, he can kind of give Missy like I said about Mary J before, he can kind of give her a sound that works for today's audience but also stays true to her because he knows her like the back of his hand musically so I do think that if they really lock in which I'm sure they will they can really come out with something that's really 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 dope and i tune in because I love Missy she was one of my favorite rappers I know it's kind of hard to label her as just a rapper just because she does it all she sings she raps she writes she produces but as growing up as a kid she really was one of my favorites and I'd really love to see her have a renaissance as well just to kind of see her come back and just put out really really good music and I think the best way to start is to work with Timbaland again so I really do hope that this is something that comes true and it's not just Timbaland you know teasing and trying to get us hyped for no reason. Roddy Rich announced that he's dropping his new album Live Life Fast on December 17th and his album cover pays homage to Nipsey Hussle's debut album cover um and I think even before I read that it was paying homage to it you can kind of just tell it's the same pose he's in a car like you can just tell and I'm not surprised because you know Nipsey and Roddy Rich worked together before Nipsey died like you know Roddy Rich always paid his respects to Nipsey um I do wonder if I because I don't know if he's released his track list let, yet but I wonder if he has like um an unreleased feature with Nipsey on that album I wouldn't be surprised I never really got around to listening to his debut album. Um sorry for being antisocial I think is the name. But from what I've heard from Roddy and features, he does sound like someone I would like a few songs from. So I might actually give his Live Life Fast album a chance when it drops in December. By the time it drops, I think my podcast will be on hiatus until season three but when I come back in January I definitely will review his album and definitely get into Spider-Man too because my podcast for season two will be done by the time Spider-Man comes out which is fine because it'll give me time to rewatch the film I might go see it twice I'm gonna see it opening day with my dad because we both don't trust you guys on social media because when it comes to Marvel or anything superhero related People, will, people won't wait one hour for that film to be out before they're tweeting spoilers and because I just have a feeling that they are bringing back the past Spider-Mans for this film, I do not want to go on Twitter and see that being spoiled. I mean you know it's bad when the Eternals was spoiled two weeks before it even dropped because some dumbass critic tweeted what happened in the, in the end credit and so now with Spider-Man it was announced that early critics were only allowed to essentially see a skeleton of the movie out of fear that they would spoil um vital parts of the film like what happened with the Eternals so I thought that that was a smart idea so yeah back to my main point though when Spider-Man when all of the releases by the end of December come out whether it's music or film I'll definitely start off season three by getting into those. The CEO, I think, I believe he was the CEO of Columbia Records teased possible albums from either Beyonce or Harry Styles before the end of the year. Now, he could just be trolling and trying to get our hopes up, Um, but considering that Harry Styles just finished his tour, I highly doubt he's dropping um, this month. Beyonce is a possibility that I've been seeing several different reliable rumors about Beyonce dropping within the next two months. I would not be surprised if she did drop this month, but I also think it's more likely that she will probably drop by February at least. There have been um, announcements from arenas that she's been planning a tour. Um, on Facebook just recently, some some arena posted um a Beyonce date for her upcoming tour and said to be confirmed so it's highly likely that Beyonce's album is finished I've heard rumors about her filming music videos her mom kind of spilled the beans on Instagram live a little bit saying that be on the lookout you know for Beyonce music soon so I do think that Beyonce and Harry Styles are definitely going to be dropping new albums, at least by 2022. If anything, Beyonce may drop her lead single this month because what he, what the CEO of Columbia Records said essentially was, you know, don't count us out for 2021 yet. Um, But I do think it's likely that we'll get a single. It could be from both of them. This month it could just be from one of them this month who knows we do also have to remember that Adele is Columbia as well and technically she's probably the closer for them for the year because her numbers are are incredible she's probably going to remain number one well into January as well so Columbia doesn't really need another artist to close out the year for them Adele already did so and they're probably going to allow her to ride out her run because Adele, nobody sells more than Adele. She's this, um, she's today's version of the Beatles. Nobody outsells Adele. Nobody wants to get in Adele's way. So I could also see both Beyonce and Harry Styles and anybody else on Columbia just waiting out that run because (laughs) we're going to be here for a while. Adele's going to be number one for a while. I also think Columbia's had a really strong year anyway. They've had Adele, they had, um, Lil Nas X, And I'm blinking. they had another big artist that dropped this year too. So they've had an incredible year and it sounds like if both Beyonce and Harry Styles are dropping by at least 2022, they're going to have another incredible year. Either way, I can't wait for Beyonce's album and I'm actually looking forward to a new one from Harry Styles too because I really liked Fine Line more than I was expecting to. So moving on from Beyonce and Harry Styles, this, what I'm going to say next, really threw me for a loop. But apparently Drake has withdrawn his Grammy nominations. He was nominated twice. He was nominated for the Best Rap Album category and he was also nominated for Best Rap Performance with Way Too Sexy. Now this is something I definitely could have never predicted when I did my Grammy um, predictions for the nominations and uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So for those of you who don't know Drake's relationship with the Grammys has been shaky for the past few years. Um, I can't really pinpoint or remember where it exactly started I just know it really kind of came to a head in 2019 when he won a Grammy for I Believe God's Plan it was the best rap song I think and they cut off his Grammy speech because he was pretty much throwing shade at them saying that you know the Grammys don't really matter what matters is how the people and the public feels about your records if you're going somewhere and people are singing your wor- your song word for word you've won you know if people are playing your song everywhere nonstop, you've won and he was pretty much discrediting the Grammys and of course they don't like that it, it takes a lot of balls to do that on their platform and they cut off his speech and so ever since then his relationship with them has been shaky um, he spoke out against them again when The weekend was majorly snubbed last year Um, for After Hours and Blinding Lights and I did think it was odd that Drake was not selected for the big big categories you know album of the year record of the year even though to me Drake didn't really have a big enough record for that category but he is Drake he's a giant in the music industry you expect him to be in those categories whether we agree that he should be there or not and I thought at first that maybe it was his decision not to put himself there but now in light of the fact that he's withdrawn his Grammys nominations I'm starting to think that him and his label submitted music for those categories but he was not selected. He may have seen that as a big slap to the face. He may have felt snubbed in the way The weekend felt snub, and decided you know what you're not going to put me in those categories and you're going to put Kanye there. I'm pulling myself out of the Grammys. I would not be surprised if when Drake eventually speaks out on this He admits that there's some kind of shady shit going on because I believe we all think that's what's going on and he also pulls a weekend move and refuses to submit his music to the Grammys and I think that if Drake does that that's going to solidify what a lot of us have been feeling lately which is that the Grammys aren't they don't really matter anymore because they've they've made so many mistakes. I think a lot of people were they, they'd. A lot of people had talked shit about the Grammys for a long time, but I think it really came to a head when it happened. When the weekend was snubbed last year, when it happened to him, I think a lot of people were saying, if if the Grammys are gonna snub a huge artist like the weekend with with the biggest hit on Hot 100 history ever, there's something wrong here. And you could tell that it really affected the Grammys because they made this whole point of shifting. And changing a lot of their rules and their culture in hopes of trying to convince artists to come back and perform, and you know, even with how they convinced Beyonce to come back and even just appear at the award show because Beyonce hadn't gone to the Grammy since she was snubbed on Lemon with Lemonade, and same with Jay Z with 444. So they kind of have to create these ceremonies and these records for them to break to kind of get them to come. Like, okay, you're gonna win a- an award for Black Parade, just come, because they know that if Beyonce um shows up to the award show, her huge fan base is going to watch the show which is going to bring in viewers and they can kind of tease the possibility of oh maybe she'll perform with Megan Thee Stallion. They they may do a surprise performance you're going to have to watch to find out. So I think that if Drake decides to do what the weekend is doing and just no longer submit his stuff to the Grammys, a lot it's going to set a precedent. Because I I really do think the precedent was set with the weekend, but I think Drake is really going to be that final nail in the coffin, and other artists are going to follow their lead and say, you know what, the Grammy's never treated me nicely, I'm not showing up to their award show, I'm not submitting my stuff anymore, because now I think artists are starting to realize, like, yes, winning a Grammy is always going to be nice, it's always going to be a nice feeling, don't get me wrong the Grammys are always going to be around they're never going to be they're, they're never going to vanish they're never going to disappear the Grammys are always going to exist they're a huge institution and I think it'll always feel great to win a Grammy but I think it's going to get to a point where artists are going to start to care a little bit less especially when big artists like Drake and The Weeknd are saying you know what fuck them we're not submitting our music anymore we don't need them but I, I do I do wonder what what issue is going on with, with Drake and the Grammys? That I can't even theorize. I just can theorize that there is something going on here. And I don't know if it's related to his issues with Kanye, if it's related to his past issues like I just talked about, but something is going on there and I can't imagine that Drake is going to stay silent on it forever. Now Drake is in a weird period right now between the World stuff, Virgil was a great friend of his and I I believe his funeral service was today and so he's you know probably in a space where he kind of just wants to grieve and you know be around his friends and family and stay off social media But I I can't imagine that he won't speak out about it and I do want to know what's going on there. It's been pretty quiet other than the announcement that he withdrew his nominations. They hadn't said why. They didn't discuss it any further just that they honored his request and they pulled his nominations. I do wonder if that leaves room for somebody else to come in and replace him. If they're going to nominate someone else in his place or if they're just going to leave it as is. But I am curious to know what's going on there because it is interesting. But that's my theory. I think this is going to set a precedent for other artists who are unhappy with the Grammys to start doing the same. I don't imagine any other artists are going to pull their nominations. I just think that the Grammys have been a mess lately from announcing last minute that they were going to expand their categories from 8 to 10 to then deciding to pull certain artists from being nominated for certain albums like now the Grammys are doing a thing where if you're featured on an album and that album has been nominated in some capacity you now are nominated for your contributions on that album and just recently they announced that Taylor Swift is no longer counted as a nominee under Olivia Rodrigo's "Sour" album. There was another artist that was pulled as well from a different album. So I just think that, you know, now the announcement of Drake. So I do think that the Grammys are kind of falling apart here. But it'll be interesting to to see if Drake ever comes out and and, and talks about why he decided to pull his nominations. I think he should. I don't think an artist as big as Drake can get away with with withdrawing from the Grammys without some explanation. So it'll be interesting to hear what that was about. Either way, I can definitely see Drake spinning the block... For next year and releasing something, whether it's a mixtape, another album, or a joint album with either Rick Ross or Future for What a Time to Be Alive 2. I think that despite how successful Certified Lover Boy is, I think that he's. Because we've seen Drake admit this. Drake is very sensitive when it comes to his music. And even though he's selling a lot of albums, I think the fact that so many critics were displeased with Certified Lover Boy definitely it definitely got to him a little bit and i think that my hope is that he turns around with a much better project next year but drake is kind of a he drops very consistently um i think the the time between scorpion and certified lover boy was the longest he's ever taken technically we got dark lane demo tapes but he took a long time with this album so my hope is that he just puts out a better project next year I'm really I really want a joint album between him and Rick Ross for next year. I think that if they really lock in together because they have incredible chemistry. Most of their records are good. I think if they really lock in and take time, they can really come out with something really really good. So, if he puts out a good album with Ross next year, I will forgive him for certified lover boy for sure. So moving on from Drake, a few artists have also um, released their track lists for their upcoming albums. Russ is first on my list. He released his Chomp 2 track list and it is stacked, y'all. He has features from Jada, Styles P, Papoose, Ghostface, and too many more to name seriously. It's filled with really, really... Um, high-level lyricists so I mean but that's the theme of Chomp it's about him you know barring the fuck up that's what the first one was about and the first one was okay but I have a feeling that Chomp 2 is going to be it looks promising he's also got really really good producers from Hip Boy to The Alchemist and Boy Wanda you know this album really looks like it's gonna be it y'all I'm really really excited for it Russ he's one of those where You know he does a lot of different he's he steps outside of the box he doesn't do just one thing each project from him is a different side of Russ he's kind of like Mac Miller and Drake in that way where they can they have different very different sides of themselves they he does the melodic stuff he gives you the bars he can give you some pop records I think he said this himself he you know even if you don't like all of what Russ provides there's a certain part of his fandom that likes him for a certain thing and I like rapper Russ I like when he gets in his bag that's why I like Shake the Snow Globe I think he had a good healthy mix on there but you know Shake the Snow Globe is where I really started to respect him as an artist so Chomp 2 looks like it's going to be crazy it drops on Wednesday and I, think, I do think it's odd that he's dropping it in the middle of the week, but he's also independent so he can do whatever he pleases and he probably figures all this money is coming back to my pockets anyway, doesn't really matter. Um, it could be that he, I think December 10th, he, maybe he wants to avoid that because Alicia Keys is dropping, Rick Ross is dropping, but it's not like, Rick Ross is like, A big name but it's not like he's Drake or Eminem where he's just gonna swallow all of Russ's numbers and of course Alicia Keys is in the R&B lane and in the pop lane or whatever you want to call it so he really could have gotten away with dropping Friday but maybe he felt like Wednesday was just the day he wanted but either way I'm really excited for Chomp 2 I think it's gonna be dope Speaking of Alicia Keys, she's also released a track list to her upcoming album with features from Lucky Day, Pusha T, Lil Wayne, and more. And I have to say as a huge Lucky Day fan, it, I, I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy seeing him on a lot of, you know, R&B projects. You can, always, you can tell that Lucky Day and Ari Lennox are truly respected by the OGs as well because you see them on almost every R&B, important R&B album coming out um he Lucky Day was on Khalid's project he was gonna he's gonna be on Alicia Keys's project and uh, now I'm drawing a blank but he's been on a lot of important R&B albums that have come out within the last two years and same with Ari Lennox they're starting to get out there more and more I think Lucky Day I think Lucky Day wrote or he was on a song with Usher something along those lines but I really am happy seeing him on these projects more and more because these are the new leaders of R&B so it's nice to see OG R&B artists respect them as well and it's the same with Khalid. Khalid is gonna be on um, Alicia Keys' album too and I see him on a lot of things not even just in R&B but in pop too he had that song with Pink in I think 2019. So it's really nice seeing the this current generation kind of like lead the pack and you know they're on all of the new stuff but they're working with Um, artists that inspired them and helped them get to where they are now so that was a point I really wanted to make because I think a lot of people forget that going on a feature run really does help you in the long run because it helps you get your name out there for me you know say I wasn't a fan of Lucky Day but I you know I really like Alicia Keys and you know I accidentally discovered him that way Features help a lot of artists get discovered by a wider audience they may say oh you know I really liked his feature here I'm gonna check out his new song I I heard he's dropping a new song so I'm gonna check that out because I really liked his song on Alicia Keys' album that's how I got into Bruno Mars he was featured on a lot of artists that I already liked projects and I'm like you know what he's got a nice voice he's got a new song out I'm gonna check that out. And for Lucky Day, I accidentally discovered his music. I think I was on the New Music Friday playlist. I had listened to the song before his. I think I was doing something with my hand, so I couldn't change the song after that one ended. And he played and I said, oh, I really like this guy. I went and found his, I think his one project. It was called One, I think. And I'm like, this is really dope. And then obviously he was featured on Insecure so that helped him as well. But doing a lot of features really does help. And so I'm glad that Lucky Day is now being more appreciated. He's more known and he's, you know, building up a bigger following cuz he really is one of the best new R&B acts. Him, Ari Lennox, Summer Walker, um, Snow Allegra, Ella who announced that she her album is done. So she's definitely dropping next year. So I think R&B is in great hands. I can't forget her. So R&B is in really really great hands and I I'm, I'm so glad that it's made her uh it's coming back because the years that went on where r died was kind of some of the most tragic years in music because I can't believe it ever died out but I'm glad it's back and, and I'm glad that a lot more r and artists are not only making their way back and coming out but they're successful too. Rick Ross's um, Richer Than I Ever Been tracklist doesn't look promising at all. I have a feeling this album is going to sound like it was slapped together last minute I'm not impressed (laughs) with the features I think there's Dream Doll he's got a record with both Future and Wale on it which Future and Wale don't sound right on paper it just doesn't it doesn't look all that promising I'm debating on if I'm going to listen to it or not I haven't been impressed with the two songs he's released from the album the Jasmine Sullivan record was all right the Something Havana record I don't remember the title that was okay so I don't know about this album up deep down a part of me hopes that maybe it was slapped together so that he can finally get in the lab with Drake and and create something dope I'll forgive him if if that's the reason but this this album looks like it's gonna be it's gonna come and go I think and it doesn't help that he's dropping it in December either Both Rihanna and Normani have recently teased that they are dropping new music soon and all I can say is lies lies and more lies. Rihanna said she was going to drop a fucking album in 2019 and never did. I can't take her seriously. Normani said that her album is coming out in the summer. We've heard this before she said her album was coming out in 2019 then 2020 and nothing. So I'll believe it when I hear it ladies. Speaking of another person who's been dragging their feet with Uh, dropping an album is Travis Garland. He posted his stats for Spotify Wrapped. Of course he made mine because you know even though he's very frustrating that's still one of my favorite artists. I'm always going to tune in when he drops something and Promised Land was a really dope track. It's sad he didn't follow it up with anything else this year but it's a really really good track and so he posted his stats of Spotify Wrapped and pretty much said that his social media silence because I had noticed I think when he had finally posted and I'm like Travis really hadn't posted anything in a while and he said that it was due to the fact that he was actually working on new music I'm hoping that we can finally expect a new album from him next year I'm not going to hold my breath because I was really expecting to get one from him this year I think he's long overdue for one Um, but it is promising that he hasn't been on social media as much because I feel like when artists are on social media a lot it's even if they are working on an album their full focus isn't on the album because they're too much they're they're busy doing too much on social media or it shows me that they just don't have an interest in, in creating anything at the moment if they're always on social media and this is the longest I think he may have been gone from social media I'm not sure because he is pretty active on Instagram so it's promising if he hasn't been on that much that he's just been so you know immersed in the new music that you know finally, you know, we're going to get something. I know he's pretty much opened up in the past about what his struggle with music was, which is that he does a lot of different types of music and it just didn't sound cohesive enough for one album. Honestly, I think he really could have put out a mixtape while we waited for an album instead of putting out the covers officially on streaming services. I would have been okay with that, but it is what it is. I do find that when artists take a long time in between albums, when they finally drop again, it's like, they they're in such a creative space that they continuously conti- um drop music to make up for the fact that they haven't gone for so long Justin Bieber has been doing that he took four years between purpose and changes and now he dropped two albums um, consecutively he looks like he's going to drop another one next year because it looks like he's always in the studio same with Big Sean he took so long between I decided in Detroit too then we got what you expect this year and now we're getting a new album from him next year so it's kind of like um you suffer for a long time waiting for music but then you finally get it and then you keep getting more so I hope that's the case for Travis because his last project came out in 2015 so he's long overdue moving on from music uh, I have to talk about this I already kind of went on a rant about it on Twitter but for the sake of this podcast I'm going to bring it up again So apparently there's rumors that they're doing a Glee revival and I'm not shocked because Ryan Murphy expressed desire I think in 2020 that he wanted to reboot Glee with some of the more current talent that he had been working with. Let me tell you something Glee does not work without that cast. It doesn't. If you think about the history of that show they had, okay, so from season one to three, they had the original main cast. Leah Michelle, Naya Rivera, Amber Riley, Corey Monteith, Diana Agron, etc. Then in season four, they introduced a new cast to take over because, you know, the old cast graduated, they're in college, we need new high schoolers. And it didn't work. And it didn't work because the writers tried too much to make the newer characters too much like the OGs Marley was just another like a watered down version of Rachel they tried to make um Jake who was Puck's brother a version of Puck they tried to make Ryder a version of Finn and it was (laughs) complete a complete miss and then they tried to make Kitty like that um Diana Agron's character Quinn and it didn't work because they were kind of like one-dimensional versions of the original characters and then in season five they brought in and I forgot her name she's on Riverdale now but I forgot the character's name. They tried to make her like Santana miss the mark. Then in season six they bring in a new cast and that doesn't work. So that to me showed me that Glee only worked with the original cast because their storylines were the best, their characters were stronger and we were more invested in their storylines. They were just better characters and so... When Cory Monteith passed away in 2013 the show wasn't the same and Naya really carried that show after he passed. Her character really became like yes obviously Rachel and Kurt were still leads but Santana really carried that show and I think myself included we continued to watch the show because Naya was still on it and she really kind of took the reins of okay Cory Cory's not here anymore And there's a void missing and I'll never be able to fully fill that void, but I can try. And she, and I think a lot of us talk about how well she did with that, with that responsibility. And when Naya, I think she, I don't want to say demoted because it was her choice. She took a step back from being a lead on the show and she was more reoccurring. In season six, you can really tell that the show suffered even more when she took a step back. Honestly the only interesting part of season six and that's a blur I blocked out a lot of season six was when Santana and Brittany got married. I think that if that hadn't been the case I probably wouldn't have even continued with the show because at that point it just got so bad and now Naya's gone. You cannot bring the show back without Corey and you cannot bring the show back without Naya. It's going to fail. It already failed when you tried to bring in a new cast to kind of take over for the OGs it didn't work and I think as much as I loved Glee it's my favorite show at this point you guys know this I don't think it would work today there are a lot of things that that show did that would not fly today especially in today's culture Glee was not a politically correct show now they introduced a lot of I don't want to say new ideas but they that show represented a lot of backgrounds and communities that A lot of popular shows at that time weren't doing I mean they had a double gay wedding for their season six uh not finale but during season six they had a double gay wedding there are not a lot of shows I don't think there's any show that's ever done that in the history of ever so Glee did a lot of things right and helped a lot of people but it also did a lot of things wrong and I don't think that it would work today and like I said two vital parts of the show are now gone so that show would not work if they brought it back some people said that it may work better if they reboot it completely like they did with um, Gossip Girl where they completely rebooted the show the old characters are hardly ever mentioned they exist but they don't mention they, they're not mentioned I still don't even want them to reboot the show I think not everything needs a revival and not everything needs a reboot certain shows just come to its natural end and it's fine and I think Lee is one of those shows. I, I don't agree with them bringing it back. I think that if they do, they're going to see just how quickly, how it just doesn't work. I wouldn't be surprised if they did do it and Leah Michelle came back because Leah Michelle's Michelle hasn't really been booked since Scream Queens because of the things that came out about her last year. So I can see her coming back. I can see Darren Chris coming back. I don't see any of the other cast members wanting to come back and revisit that show, especially in light of everything that's happened to them now I don't see Amber Riley coming back hell no I mean they did her they didn't do her character right at all they barely gave her character a fleshed out storyline um I think the most they really showed of Mercedes consistently was in like the season b season 5b of that show so I can't see Amber Riley coming back I can't see Kevin McHale wanting to come back or Chris Colfer I doubt I know Diana Agron would say hell no to coming back. I mean, she kind of left the. She kind of left after season four. Really, she wasn't as heavily involved after season three of the show, because then she kind of became like a movie star. She was off doing movies with Robert De Niro. So really, I can only see Leah Michelle and Diana Agron. I mean, not Diana Agron, Darren Chris wanting to come back to that show. I don't think any of them want to revisit that show. I know that after. The show originally ended they were a lot of people expressed interest in having like a a Santana centered spinoff I would have watched that obviously because I was a huge Nia fan but I think that Glee should just be left alone leave it as it stays you know it's a fun show to revisit occasionally I haven't re-watched that show in a while but I don't think it needs a reboot it doesn't need a revival it should just be left the way it is So news broke that the Venom sequel may not be released in China due to alleged anti-China interviews that Tom Hardy gave in 2012 and if this ends up being the case then this film is going to flop without China and I just and I just discovered this or was told this last year that China is really the reason China will tell you if a film is going to be successful if it does well in China then it'll do well everywhere else. If a film is not going to even air in China, then they have no chance of of being a box office success. So I hope for their sake that if Tom Hardy really did give anti-China interviews, that he apologizes or they, they come to an agreement and then they smooth that over because if China is against you, then good luck with that film. Now, I liked the first one the first film so I do plan on seeing it seeing the second one I mean and they've like a lot of movies in the past year have faced delays because of COVID so this is probably the last thing they need so hopefully they smooth all of that over and the film comes out in China because otherwise good luck but while i'm on the topic of superheroes it's also been announced that there's a spin-off of the batman film in the works called the penguin and colin farrell has signed on to return as you know the character and I'm already excited for the Batman and if I and from the trailer it looks really really uh the Penguin looks really promising so if I really like Colin Farrell's portrayal of the character I might go and see um the spinoff film as well it shows how much confidence they have in this film the fact that they're already creating a spinoff and it's been greenlit and the Batman hasn't even come out yet it makes me even more excited for this film I think it's going to be really really good. So before we get to the end of the episode, of course I have to get into the song of the week and the song of the week is, you guessed it, I Hate You" by SZA. Like I said earlier in this episode, I've been replaying the song constantly so it made perfect sense to make it the song of the week. I'm absolutely obsessed with it and it makes me even more excited for SZA's album. Hopefully that comes out next year. I can't wait. So if you haven't heard the song by now, I'd be shocked. But if you haven't definitely check it out and let me know if your thoughts are similar to mine or if you completely hate the record I'd be shocked if you do it's it's really good and definitely check it out if you haven't heard it it's definitely worth the listen So we have come towards the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to me rant and ramble for over an hour. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and this podcast as a whole, then please give Listen To Me Speak a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you rate your podcasts. And if you want to support this podcast further then please head to my website www.listentomespeak.com and consider donating to my listeners donations. It can be found on my website like I said or it can be found on my anchor page and if you want to keep up with this podcast even further you want to know when I drop episodes if there are any delays that I encounter or just anything else in general, you can head to my website. Again, www.listentomespeak.com. There are links to all my social medias. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm even on YouTube. So go ahead and follow me on all social media. And like I say every week, be kind to yourselves and thank you for listening to me speak.